ladies, gentlemen, porgs, wookies, and those weird hippo creatures with the blue titty milk. Welcome once again to the Let Bleed Podcast. I'm your host, the whimsical wizard of love, David Amaya. And sitting across from him in a galaxy far, far away, Yojo verified voodoo vaquero, Phil Royal. Light speed ahead. This is going to be a fun episode for you guys, especially, uh, you know, um, after the release of of, uh, The Last Jedi. And if you have not seen it yet, there are going to be spoilers in this. But if you have not seen it yet, you probably just don't really care about Star Wars and are a terrible human being by this point. Right? No, no, I I, I do not disagree with any part of that. Because we had a goddamn Jedi on the show. Yes, we did. Maxwell Perkins is on the show. Um, he's here to talk about uh, his, you know, career, um, what he does for a living uh, in public speaking, and how he utilizes his skills um, into this new movement that he and his buddies are doing, which is really cool. He is an actual Jedi, yes, and he does use the Force, and he talks a lot about how we can all do the same thing. Um, we talk about neurohacking. All kinds of interesting stuff. It, it really is backed up by a lot of solid psychology, and it's uh, it, it's kind of a, a, an interpretation of these very you know core principles that he applies through a filter that we can all identify with, which is the Jedi. So it really is some very very fascinating stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, be sure to uh, enjoy the rest of the show. And where can you find Maxwell? Well, let's see, Mister Maxwell. Darwin. That is at M-A-X-W-E-L-L-D-A-R-W-I-N on Instagram. That is where you're going to find him specifically, where you can actually reach out to him and talk to him about his people, the Jedi medics, who aim to heal a lot of, uh, you know, social problems, uh, addiction, uh, you know, just generally phase out the Sith in whatever form that may come. And so he said... Definitely check him out and check out, uh, I guess he must be the leader, uh, at Kung Flow. That's Kung.Flow, K-U-N-G dot F-L-O-W. And most importantly, though, you guys, uh, if you want to check out uh, what they're doing, go to thedigitalredpill.com. Just like it said, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with those weird men's rights advocates people. This is something <laughs> else. That made me a little bit nervous. I had to look it up. And I was like, okay, no, no. Digital red pill, not the blue it's pill. The red digital red pill. Yeah.com. There you go. And that is where you're going to find it. And of course, uh, I got to shout out our boys as we're getting ever closer to the 2017 after party. That is uh, going down on January 6th of 2018. Uh, so make sure to follow us at RGL Collective on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for more info on that. Anything yep. else before we get going here? Uh, no, I think that that's pretty much it. All just, right, well, as always, don't... follow us, subscribe, that's and right. like, and share, and do all that good stuff. And you can always find me on Instagram at hoodratstuff with three Fs, and follow my art account, uh, the Psychedelic Lions Den. It's psychedelic underscore lions underscore den uh, if you want to just check out some dope-ass art. And, uh, yeah, support the podcast at Let It Bleed Cast on all social medias, and you guys can find me at Nobody Cares Phil on Instagram and at Phil Nobody Cares on Twitter. Let's get to it, yeah. May the force be with you.
It took and too much acid, bro. It's peaking. It's peaking yeah. too hard. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, if you're just trying to take a shit, you can't quite, but you know it's peaking. It's kind of like that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen these in everything. Like, uh, every time I've ever really seen a microphone, in, in audio recording at least, I've seen it with this. Yeah, well, I'm entirely too lazy to, like, go through and actually, you know, do some real post-production on these things. I, I don't have the skill nor the patience to do yeah. so. So I figured, let's just get it all done right once. Yep. And then I don't have to worry about it. You don't have to edit it at all. Yeah. There you <laughs> yeah. go, dude. Do you have a lighter like for him, Phil? It's, uh, oh, uh, yes. Phil's got, like, 20 lighters, but there's usually only work. one that works <laughs> in all those I lighters. Do have, I do have one, like, traditional one. That works. And I have a hemp wick as well. I don't know what you guys prefer. But that Take works. Over. You want to sit here? One of the rare times. So yeah, just so I can keep yeah. it yeah. Oh, does it not? Oh, shit. That was just kind of... <laughs> no, well, wait. It does, but it's not... It's not, not viable. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch! So, are so, we... We're past the point by the time the show gets aired... That uh, spoilers, there's no excuse. Am I right? For Darth Vader, Star Wars. For yeah, for Star Wars. Uh, yeah. No, I think we can do that. Let's just uh, call it out, and we'll put like a timer on it. We'll say, hey, like we're gonna talk about it for fucking two minutes. <laughs> like, if you don't want to hear this shit, check in. How about we just make up a bunch of spoilers, like fake ones, That's and, what I was like, and talk about it like really, like clearly as it's gonna be really hard for me to not talk about Star Wars in this because uh, oh, we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because just talking about the spiritual implications of that film and talking about how the the way that that movie is probably the most important cultural icon since The Matrix because it addressed things like. The, Illumi the Illuminati, it brought up race, it brought up uh, the military-industrial complex, it brought up meditation, it brought up, um, you know, practicing with us with flow toys and, and flow state, and like, honestly, that's what you see when Ray is in the morning. That you know, when she, it's like, oh, wake up at dawn, and she's practicing with stuff. <laughs> she's getting into a flow state. And you know it's what was funny is that I was like watching that <laughs> and remembering myself at the park. Uh, pardon me with the uh, with the toys that you made yeah and it was really fun I was like I got that movement I know that movement yeah. like with the wrist like yeah <coughs> uh, oh, whoa wow nobody can tell what we're doing anyways um yeah I, it was that uh oh we got this badass on air sign over there right now that uh, Barry got us for the, the thing yesterday. So you it. feeling green today? Yeah. All right. Green's good. It's a green episode. It's green kind, episode. Of, kind of setting the tone, setting the mood for it. So should I wear the headphones? Uh, oh no, 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 I'll I'll grab these ones. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're good. If you we if we need you to be closer to the mic, we'll tell you to be closer to the mic, which is better because I always have a problem of not doing that as well. So you've got um, you've got a, a nice fun habit. Of when you're relaxed, you lean back because you're chilling and you talk about <laughs> soccer. And then when you get excited, you get right up into the mic and you scream into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we need mics like just like lapel mics just yeah. on us at all times yeah. or something, you know. We need to get fancy as fuck. We need an intern and a boom operator is what we need. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, somebody just hold it up there, is there and just constantly do this for it. Uh, yeah, if you just go down the, down the hall uh, across the way and... Uh, it's the room right in front of you, or you can paint any of them. They're not mine. Oh, gotcha. Thank you. 
Alrighty. The joke, like Batman villains, mm-hmm. the be- as the most uh, interesting villains to. That's the one thing I like that bothers me about most comic book movies is that it's everything's awesome except for I just can't get into the villains that much. Uh, in particular, the Marvel movies. Yeah. They are bad. Oh, wait, was he calling for me? No, he's saying that the the dog's probably just barking. Oh. Athena's going crazy dog. She's a really good guard dog. She just forgets what she's already guarded against. <laughs> so she doesn't take chances. You know, Smart. If, you've, if you've gone by four times already and you've been in the house for an hour and a half, she'd be like, wait, well, who's that? Who the fuck are you? Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, nice. Dog <laughs> dementia is hilarious. Dog dementia. <laughs> dog dementia. Yeah, from everybody listening. Me, 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 me. Got some, uh, <laughs> oh, we're not, we're not on, are we? That's uh, oh yeah, we're on. Damn, it's okay. Oh, it's been this going. Is, that's this is how. It works. That's the episode title right there. That's uh, it's. It's, <laughs> it's like you a Rick and Morty episode. No, you want to you want a Rick and Morty episode? You you get Rick and or Morty. You know, first of all, first and foremost, you put them directly uh, on the show. <laughs> and then you know, I don't know. Maybe they just have them. You know. Do some sort of thing like maybe oh, she's Max. They, that's, they, that's they could talk good. to. They could talk to you know Jessica. Do whatever. All right, whatever. That's um, the second day in a row we've had voiceover actors on this fucking show. Voiceover actors, everybody. That, voiceover actors. That that was pretty good, man. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I was very impressed. Okay, so just, uh, <laughs> should I like introduce myself or, or like we'll we take care of that later? Oh, yeah, yeah no, it's all good, man. Because we introduce, we do an intro after each other, so we'll go back and cool. we'll introduce it. But since you were already full disclosure, up, we've been rolling for the last like twenty minutes. I usually just listen through, pick a nice little spot where things start to pick up, and then we just take it from there. Well, that sounds great. And then we will introduce you ourselves. Ahead of time, so that we can seamlessly jump in. Now, usually we do that for people who are, you know, nervous or uncomfortable around this shit. But I'm looking at you right now, and I'm going, <laughs> "We don't need to uh, play any games with you." Well, it helps that I'm a professional public speaker. And are you now? Yeah. Well, Maxwell, we just met, so I I don't know much about you. Yeah. So okay. well, professional public speaker. A professional public speaker I'm, is the first of things. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So just a little bit of a tidbit for our audiences if they're listening at this point. Um, my name is Maxwell Darwin, and I know I'm not supposed to introduce myself, but fuck it. I like breaking rules. But fuck it. So um, basically what I am is I am a corporate trainer slash uh, professional public speaker for American Honda. And basically what I do is I help people who work with the cars in automotive customer service. And uh, beyond that, I also am a uh, Jedi trainee or you know i'm going through a jedi training program where i'm learning to uh, enter the flow state as described by the flow genome project um, in the books stealing fire and the rise of superman so if you have read those books or if you have heard of those books basically tapping into that state of mind called the flow state and uh, i do that through a process called kineditation or kinetic movement and meditation um, all of that tied together and then that is on top of just a few years of cultural studies and religious studies, um, along with a degree in graphic design and instructional design. So basically what I am is a artist who likes esoteric philosophy and uh, dance. So, okay. um, that was a very Dude, that was a very nice wrap-up. Concise. And the whole, the, what's crazy about that is like every single thing that you were saying, I do have a, you know, kind of a tie to all of those there. Yeah. So I used to uh, I used to spend a lot of time at RPA, 
and work with uh, their advertising team. They do a lot of like you know uh, Honda stuff. So I wasn't sure if you're kind of involved on that side. And I and I am familiar with those books actually that you were talking about. I think the uh, was the author on uh, on Rogan every once in a while. Yeah, I'm sure. He's, yeah, yeah. So that's where that's where I know I've uh, I've heard that before. So um, you know what got you into the Honda thing? Uh, I would say I. Well, let me let me start at let me start at the beginning. <laughs> at the beginning, it all started when I was seven years old. Now, realistically, my dad was a vendor for American Honda. He worked for a print company that was just down the street. So, always as a kid, going uh, with my dad to the Honda building, going to races, getting into automotive culture, just always loving cars. And then um, moving back home after college, and ended up not being able to find work in the graphic design field. So, where'd you go to college? I went to Chico State. I was uh, the president of the fraternity Delta Psi Delta. You were a frat boy? I was a frat boy. I was the president. I can't imagine you as a frat well, I kind of could imagine no, it's, you as a frat boy. It's so now. weird because it was the thing that led to all my leadership skills and learning how to learning how to speak to people. Really? Yeah. Would because, you say you didn't have any of that naturally before? Because I feel like you would. You're kind of a very like naturally like sociable personality, but that's, you know, before I, then. I don't know. I, well, okay, so before that... Um, I was basically just going down a series of incorrect paths that would lead me to um, basically spiritual and mental dead ends. So like, I'll, I'll recap really quick. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I was a tagger. Um, then later in high school, I was basically just spacing out all the time. I wasn't really doing a whole heck of a lot. Then college, freshman year, I was just being stupid and being an 18-year-old party kid. 19 was the drinking year. And then after 19, I started finding my art and started finding who I am. And then going into the fraternity helped create that because it was like this experience that I'd never had a feeling of completion before. I'd always like, I picked up a guitar at 12 years old and then, you know, never learned it. And then picked up this hobby or that hobby or whatever. And joining the fraternity was actually the first thing I ever fully completed. So tying that back to the Honda thing, it was one of the major things I put on my resume when I was going into the, the work field was leadership skills, president of a fraternity one year, vice president one year. And um, they always asked me like, well, how does that correspond to this job? And I always make a joke and it was, it's a true joke. I say, you know, when you deal with 20, 18 to 26 year olds who are all drunk and you have to get them all to agree to do a community service act, that's kind of a kind of an interesting circumstance of, of yeah. trying to organize people and trying to talk to people and get people to listen. So yeah, bravo. That, absolutely. That is very true. Yeah. Hurting those cats is that can get <laughs> hurting drunk cats. Difficult. Yeah. That's funny Yeah, because, but you know, that's awesome that you're very self-aware of that and you're not afraid to, you know, use something like that to the, actually just prove your point that you yeah. fucking have leadership skills. Cause that is, I'm thinking about that. I'm, I work in sales, you know, and I'm not as, uh, like I have certain gifts for that sort of stuff, but then there's certain things I couldn't do. Like, um, but you know, I don't think I could get fucking uh, a bunch of frat boys to go and do yeah. community service. Well, you don't because I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not that disciplined. You seem very disciplined. Well, yeah, and you don't need you know. Uh, oh, I have this much uh, leadership experience at like this very important company or this very important school or anything like that. Really, take that experience from from anywhere and do that. I've literally gotten a job because I was able to very uh, clearly articulate why a lot of my leadership and resource management skills came from managing 40-man raids in World of Warcraft when I was 16. <laughs> you same, know? Same thing. That, yeah. got, that got <laughs> me a gig there. You know, I didn't even, I, like, you know, of course, I was the captain of the track and cross-country team and stuff like that, too. But there was, 
you know. I just picture you here, like fucking, or like the dude on South Park, which is like behind your computer right here. Just everything's quiet in here. Oh, what like, do you think like, my face looks like every time you're not here? You're just it's like, just blah, 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 chip, yeah. just falls mouth to fucking. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is I'm relentlessly swiffering this place right before you guys always walk in. But man, so. So you went. You're working at Honda because you know you have leadership skills, and you were saying though that you know you were at a spiritual dead end. Like, do you feel that um, where you are now is you know where you've basically always been meant to be? Like, you're kind of coming to some sort of uh, not finality, but like you know a destination of sorts. I'd say that's a really good question, and it's one of those things that I look at the the corporation that I currently work for as a way for me to build corporate skills because mm-hmm. when you work at Honda you have one job but you work three years worth of experience in a single year because you're doing a lot of different things your your hands are in a lot of different buckets you're doing a lot of different processes you're engaging with a lot of different types of management and in my current position uh, I basically I'm the trainer for all of customer service so mm-hmm. you know I've trained 600 people this year kind of thing and so Damn. I also get to do the master of ceremonies at their graduations. They have like a graduation ceremony. Oh, so there's this phrase that we have in the graduation, which is um, there's the two most important days of your life. And of course, one of them is the day you're born. And do you guys know what the other one is? The, right now? I'm not, I don't the know. First, the second servicing of your 1998 Honda Accord. <laughs> that would be correct. No, the, uh, the second day is I was actually the audience, uh, it's, uh, the day you know why you were born. Oh. And so oh, there was, a, uh, right? Ah, oh, damn it. Um, oh. But what happened to me essentially I was, was pretty interesting in how you just mentioned a, a spiritual dead end. I wouldn't say that I'm a spiritual dead end. I'd say that Honda has shown me something that I didn't know about myself. So the first time I ever was the master of ceremonies for the graduation ceremony, I did it at the secret Honda museum. Like no one gets to go there. It was, my, it was like going to the place that I'd always dreamed of as a kid because my dad brought me there as a kid and I was always in racing culture. And being able to do a master of ceremonies, like putting together the logistics of an event, being the master of ceremonies of that event, and just being so so happy with myself after completing it and everything went right. And I was just like, wow, like that's cool. And then that night I went to a show in Los Angeles. It was like an abundance event with Alex Gray and Allison Gray. Uh-huh. And they were presenting and I realized they were boring as fuck. They were sitting there on stage and they're talking like this. <laughs> I like this. They're awesome. They're, they're, they're so boring, but their work is amazing. But they're like this. This painting was painted in 1975, and we were really high on acid. And then, and then Allison's like, yeah, yeah, we were really high on acid. And that's all they really ever say is, we were really high, we painted this. And I'm like, they're the worst public speakers ever. Yeah, they're, so those they're not two, great. So those two events combined in my life, I was like, wow. That's so interesting. I, I got to be, I got to see terrible speakers, and I got to be a professional public speaker on the same day. And I was like, you know what? I know what I was meant to do. Like, that second day of my life, the reason why I know I'm here, I learned that day was to, to speak and to be a presenter and uh, to help merge the, the worlds of corporate consciousness with spiritual consciousness because corporate consciousness is not very not very conscious. The gap. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not very conscious. My my aunt and my supervisor both told me, Maxwell, you're very good at walking that thin line of hippie and corporate businessman. And I'm like, well, I want to merge the two worlds together. So there I, I kinda think that's gonna be my general topic for this thread, despite my long soliloquy that I just had, which I thank you guys for fucking awesome. No, <laughs> I, I I love it, man, because yeah. you were speaking directly to my soul with so much of that, too, yeah, because absolutely. I have spent, like, I, it sounds like I probably kind of figured it out a, a little bit earlier, and that I kind of always was 
you know, the first one to speak up in class and raise my hand, and then it quickly became, you know, I, I've never had a problem jumping up in front of crowds and just, you know, working stuff and talking it, and that segued into, you know, being a pitch man, giving giving meetings when I was working in advertising agencies and stuff like that, uh, doing pitches to Honda, and like, and then eventually transitioned into stand-up, which is kind of where I, I get a lot of that now, and I do a lot of tours where I end up emceeing just random events if somebody's got a bullhorn or a microphone, they're just like, hey, Phil, come here, make some shit up. And we fucking go for it. And so I, I feel you, man, because I know I know that feeling exactly, exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of, it's a little addicting, you know. It is very, it, it's it's an interesting high that like you can't, you can't really articulate until you've done it, you know, yeah. to really control that room and do so well. And then, I mean, I, I identify with that so much. You're talking about going to go watch Alex Nelson Gray, these people who, who we've all put on such a pedestal, you know? They're 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 monsters. We we love their work. And you get up there and you go like, Oh shit, I could do that better. That's yeah. fucking crazy. So, dude, hats well, off to you, you mean, man. You could do the speaking better is what you meant. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah no, no, no. Right. I I mean the painting. Right, right. <laughs> if I tried, yeah. I mean I'd give them a run for their money. Well But the speaking definitely. One thing I do want to point out about Alex Nelson Gray. They're putting all of their effort right now into Entheon, which is the temple. Um, so you can see that just in the last couple of years, their artwork has stayed stagnant. Like they haven't put out any new paintings in years. And like they basically have the same 10 or 15 paintings from the tool albums that everybody's familiar with, like mm -hmm. you know, the heads coming together and all that stuff. And from that style, it's amazing to me that they never really progressed beyond that. Like if you look at the work of Samuel Ferrand, um, he posts something on Instagram almost every day, like every other day. And every time I look at it, I'm like, how how did he make this like i understand his is digital and, and <laughs> right. alex and allison are painting but right. well and that's you know that goes to show that there's just a billion different styles and you know preferences as well as in an artist's career you know there's definitely different points of focus that they have to focus on being that they're probably now really into like the whole motivational speaking apparently that's not that effective yeah but, that, uh you know as well as you know getting certain aspects of their business off and and you know that's not your your point isn't to badmouth them in any way it's just about oh, the yeah. public speaking which we're all we're all fans but very, we should, we should yeah, mention that. yeah. Very they're true, amazing very true point and it was very funny um what you were saying yeah but, but I, what i would say isn't you know isn't can't cause them kind of be considered their you know their art project that they're working on and kind of transitioning to it's like, okay, we already had the hits, and now we're, yeah. like, the wise gurus that people yeah. travel to the forest to, like, learn from. Like, they're retired. Yeah. They're retired. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, yeah, retired. The, they're building the place they want to die. Why didn't I have like, that word ready to go? Well, and who, knows if, who knows if they won't get some sort of, you know, other wave of inspiration at some point from something else. And, and that's not the point. I really did like what you said, though, um, about uh, that you're looking to what I call bridge the gap. You know, you're saying, what did you say? Uh, what was the term you used? to bring it together anyways yeah. but yeah bridge the gap of you know the different avenues of life the aspects for me it's a very similar thing of just trying to get people to of different like schools of thought like people that lean mm -hmm. too heavily on one side or the other and i fuck with people all the time on just basically arguing playing devil's advocate to like foolish ridiculous ends just in order to just keep the conversation going so that people don't try to just be like, well, fuck, yeah, just, that's it. And then, you know, be closed off from any sort of conversation or trying to understand anything further than that, you know? I mean, you're right. There's, there's this, like, this this tribalism, this absolute, you know, you're either you're either good or you're bad if you're, you can't if be you're this. this. Yeah, you, you cannot be, be both like, things, man. But, but I, I love the way that you, I love the way that you put it. 
Like, because yeah. I've always referred to that concept of bridging those two worlds as a high-functioning degenerate, which is, you know, what I've liked to label myself as. <laughs> yep. But yours is uh, is much more. Uh, you're so friendly? concise with with your plan too, because you're very you're very methodical. You know, you have like you definitely put a lot of self and have a, a great kind of understanding of the self, like what you're, you know, a spiritual sense. You know, you know. Are you are constantly you know thinking about your purpose and what you were meant to do, and it seems like you've got it all pretty much right <laughs> so far, so far as I could see. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you don't. I mean, you don't feel like you know. You're not close to done. I feel I mean, clueless. Shit. I got yeah. so yeah. lost well, and just like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Well, that all shows. Time. That shows at least that you know that. You know yeah. that, that that's the biggest step to to you know just being at peace or at least you know being effective. You know, by showing people that it's not as much about what you think you know. It's about, you know, showing what you know through your, you know, uh, public speaking, if it's good, and being on point with that. And so, like, what do you, you know, you're kind of trying to bridge the gap between the corporate and the, you know, what would you call it? I don't like the hit, the stereotypical, esoteric, you know, so. The ethereal, the ephemeral, like. what? What's a very, like, common thing that you experience with that? Like, when people kind of say that to you, like. You're walking that thin line, like. Let me uh, let me address this with something that one of my good friends from work actually shared with me. He is a master's, he has a master's degree in psychology, and he's currently going in for his doctorate. Uh, his name is Wes, and he and I were talking over lunch one day, and I mentioned this concept of bridging the gap between the corporate Maxwell and the hippie Maxwell because. He and I are Star Wars nerds. Like he and I, before the Force, or sorry, uh, before the Last Jedi came out, he and I were theorizing. We're like, oh, like are they gonna create the Gray Jedi? Like are they gonna do this that, and the other? And we had lunch. We just talked about the philosophy of Star Wars and how good versus evil. And like you mentioned, but what he left me with at the end of the day was, he, he's a very deep voice and he's from Texas and he he talks like this. Y'all gotta think like this. So here, here's what you got. Here's what y'all gotta think about. You. Define yourself. You know, those words, hippie, corporate, those don't, those don't define you. You define you, and those are part of how you define yourself. But, and and I, I really locked into that because I was like, wow, like, if I describe myself as corporate hippie or I describe myself as the nickname the android, which I do, like, I, I call myself both of those things. I like it. it, it it's like... For me, I look at everything as a computer process. Yeah, it, everything's a computer process, and like if I can run programs. We were uh, talking about that at Eclipse, yeah, and well, I agree. Yeah, 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 I like that. He's, you, go ahead. Well, okay, so this this comes back to the initial question that I was going to use kind of as my thesis for this podcast, which is the 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 question, what is the mind? And when you think about the ethereal space between the ears, and you start telling yourself, okay, this body is governed by a mechanism and that mechanism has laws and rules and programs just like a computer does and if you can say i choose to overwrite those programs by changing the language that i'm using it's called neuro-linguistic programming so if you use the word oh that's sick what also do you known as neurohacking also known as neurohacking or biohacking or whatever and like there's so many different things you could call this but really what i'm doing on a on a physical level and just on a a real tangible level that most people can understand is all I'm doing is I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. So it's like talking about language. Like for example, I was using the example, Oh, that's sick. When I say, Oh, that's so sick. 
you guys immediately are like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the word sick, it implies illness and fatigue. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring back a resurgence of just words like cool, like, oh, that's cool. Because if you say oh, sick, you're actually giving it a slightly negative connotation. So I have this phrase that I love using, which is words mean things. So I instead have decided to no longer use the word, oh, that's sick, which I love using. It's one of my favorite words and changing it to, oh, that's woke. And to imply that when you use a word like sick or you use, you say something to yourself like, oh, I can't do that. You, whatever you manifest, that's what becomes reality. So if you choose, oh, I'm going to get hit in the face by something or I'm going to get a car crash, that's going to happen because you're implying that in the universe. So by only having positive connotation and positive, you know, reason for your language that changes the way you entirely look at your thought process and you can start thinking about thinking or you go into a meditative state and you stop thinking about thinking and either one of those comes back to the question which is what is the mind and that is to say that is there one it's certainly not in between my ears because that doesn't make any sense and with that i'll kind of like yeah no i do i do love like because i've i've thought about this before and you're that also we were very riveted man that was that was a, a good summary of it and we can definitely run with that yeah. because you know in a lot of ways it is turtles all the way down i think it is uh uh who was it was it ramdas who talked about how he was uh he was on a very intense psychedelic trip and he stepped like outside of his body and he said oh that is um you know that is ramdas the the guru and then he was yeah, able to take another step back like and be like, oh, said. that is Ramdas, like the, the husband, like the man, the personality, you know. Then boom, okay, and he took another step back and oh, that is you know, whatever his real name or something like that. And he kept on going and realized he could keep going. He said, what is the observer? Like, who is the person who is acknowledging each step of the way there? Similar That's to the scene in Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is not going to be described in detail here in case of spoilers, but there's a scene where Ray goes into this space Mm -hmm. and she sees a multiple dimensional version of herself. And then she's like, I'm going to follow the track, snap my fingers. And it goes, step, 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 step. Mm -hmm. That was actually, yeah, fucking brilliant. That's one of the ones that I've totally forgot about until you just brought it up. Let's put, do we want to, because I mean, you're a Jedi. I feel like we have to actually talk about it. And so we'll say let's let, let's do this. You didn't let's it put by this point because we're not airing this till next. Week. Yeah, this will be this will be out next. So it'll be have been out for a few weeks. Yeah. Let's put. Uh, let's say. Let's look at ten minutes way. on the clock. Let's look at it this way. Anyone who really cared about the movie well, has already seen has it. already seen. It. <laughs> True. Yeah, pretty much. True. Yeah. All right. Has already seen. It. All right. So, let's say. All right. If you don't want to get spoilers, check back in five minutes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You cool. might still have a few. Good luck. So yeah, that part was fucking kick-ass, man. Uh, I really did like it, and I just remembered it now that you brought it up, and it actually shines more light on. Yeah, exactly. That's the way that you perceived it, and uh, I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. Meta-dimensional realities, you know, yeah. taking the mm-hmm. most popular movie in the world and making it the most important cultural icon since The Matrix, because we have things like. You know, we have Luke meditating into a peaceful state of mind so that he doesn't have to fight his arch nemesis. Like, mm-hmm. that's never been done in a movie. Movies always are like, oh, the good guy fights the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He meditated his way out of that fight. And, you know, Ray and. Okay, here, here's a fun one. Let me backtrack. Not Ray. Admiral Holdo, the woman with the purple hair. When she's first depicted in the movie, she is shown with a metal halo behind her head. And it's amazing that she ends up being the angelic savior who 
basically is the hero and gives up her life for the resistance. Mm-hmm. She's the hero of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Luke doesn't really do a whole lot in that movie. He just gets shot at a little bit and kind of like bugs Kylo. That lady, Admiral Holdo, a middle-aged woman, is the hero of a Star Wars cinema that is the most important movie in a very long time. And Rey is the main character, and she's a very strong young woman for young women to look at. It's a very important movie looking at empowering the people, giving everybody the force and making everybody Jedi's. Because well, it also I, goes into like kind of getting you to not judge people either because you think at different points, like, this bitch is bad, fuck her. Like, you know, I hate her. And then it goes back and forth. And then there's like the different, it's like it went back and forth like three times. Like, wait, she's good. No, she's not good. Yeah, she's cool. And then she ends up giving up her life. And so, you know, that's life though. That is life. That's like, you know, just when you think you have some sort of idea about, you know, a group or a thing or people and then you're like, you, you come to this point and then later you realize oh shit that wasn't that bad no, I thought I thought the movie hit on this like beautiful theme of just letting go of, of tribalism of, of, of past judgments and things like that and just saying just saying fuck it to it all like destiny all this shit man I, I really hope there wasn't any kind of trickery going on when he was like you've always known that your parents are nobody just buried in a desert I, like, I don't think that's true I don't think it's true but I, I'm I almost Kind of would like if they're just getting away from the like this is all fate and destiny and these families rule everything and I mean I don't know that movie subverted so many expectations that I had that were built up from The Force Awakens because that was very you know it was very predictable and so I thought I was gonna be able to predict this one and every time I thought it was gonna zig it zagged yeah. the fuck out of me yeah. and now I'm thinking about the entire franchise in 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 this ongoing story in this new way that I think is. I mean, it's a, a brilliant subversion of my expectations, and it's actually introducing something new to this thing while getting rid of, you know, old characters and letting the letting this new kind of era uh, breathe, whatever that may mean. You it's know? almost like at, with this one, it's kind of making it more acceptable for there not to even ever really be a consistent main character. Kind of like, you know, how like Doctor Who is just like always a different Doctor Who. Um, and, well, that's kind of a bad example, but like this, you know, where it's like, you could watch one movie and like how we were saying that Poe was actually way more involved this time around. It seemed like in, in yeah, this was Poe's movie, and, and, and Finn, and, yeah. it was not Finn's. You and, know, I thought that was great, man. I loved. I, yeah, I, I want. I, I I wanted to get so much more. Like I wanted to get that character know that character. I wanted to get to know that character more after the first one, and well, I feel like I got that. Well, look at what Star Wars is starting to do. It's owned by Disney, right? So they just gave us uh, Rogue One. The next one to come out is. Solo. The next mm. one after that is Kenobi. So what they're doing is they're going to start setting up for these franchise movies. They're going to have a movie, Snoke, right? They're going to have a mm. movie, Rey. And it's going to be all about them growing up. And it's going to be the, the most important aspects of that character's life. Because like you say, everybody in the Star Wars universe is um, essentially important. And they all, have, they all play a role in saving the galaxy in some way, shape, or form. Because that's the way the Force works. Do you guys like what they've done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? How every movie tied into this ultimate... I do. I was I was a lifelong fan and avid reader of the comics. And uh, the Cinematic Universe, of course, you know, 20 movies deep. It's had a handful of missteps, but for, uh, but I, I think it's wonderful. I do like how uh, even with, you know, in the, the trailer, how they're showing all of them. Because I haven't seen most of the Marvel movies. I, I personally don't like watching all of them that much i don't get into them that much but um 
I do like certain things like that. And when you see like the Guardians of the Galaxy at the very end too, they're like just like staring at them and you're like, oh shit, yeah. like they're going to be involved in this shit too. Yeah. This is going to be fucking crazy. It's awesome. I really do enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I think that's kind of like its own, you know, newer version of what Star Wars is yeah. in a lot of ways, you know? Well, what's great is Disney can technically do whatever they want because they own Marvel, Fox, and... Um, Star Wars, yeah, yeah. So, right. You know, they can just be like, oh, all of a sudden, Star Wars universe, Guardians of the Galaxy universe are the same universe. Bart Simpson's, you know, Star Wars. Well, I don't, show, I don't you know. know if they're going to go in that direction, but it is neat that they freely kind of talk about the properties going back and forth. Yeah. You know, Star Wars exists within the Marvel universe now; they don't have to, you know, trip out about that yeah. kind of thing. So there's been fun little uh, weird, connections though. there. It's so strange. Yeah. But it's... I think what I think what they're going with is that eventually they're going to have all these side character stories, like they're going to have like. The Ray Saga, you know, the Captain America Saga. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they're gonna have three movies about Ray, three movies about Finn. Did it? Did money maker? But we're gonna yeah. we're gonna watch them all. Like, right? I mean, they have you know how many books there are for fucking Star Wars. Hundreds. It's like yeah. they, they can just you could take all of the, you can create any world within this universe in this galaxy. It's never ending. So I mean, the possibilities for really entertaining stories are just always gonna be there. Like, I would have loved to have that as a kid. Because I remember like the side spin-off ones, like the the Ewok one. Where Ewok Adventure. To, yeah, that shit was like <laughs> you terrible. watch it now, you're like, it's absolutely terrible. But as a kid, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. And you still like draw, you know, things from those movies that whether it's subliminal or or not, you're gonna remember them. Like these these good messages, you know, like that were in <laughs> my thing with the with the Star Wars thing. As I was telling them, I I, I like, agreed with like every message that they were that were putting out. It's just kind of like that cheesy Disney delivery at some points, like the like. You know, kiss on the cheek or kiss on the lips, and then pass out. Like say something so profound, and then pass out. But that you know, it, it is what it is. It's fun. It's Fly, fun. Flying Leia was a bit fanciful. I thought that <laughs> yeah, was, that, okay, that was a little that, unnecessary. Okay, that was one of them. Yeah. I was like, yeah, there's a, there's a handful. I I did love the movie. There was a handful of parts where I was like, oh come on, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one of them right there. Yeah, but you know, it is it is a movie where you have to condense a lot of things into a, a short time, and I personally didn't get bored. You know, that's the one thing that I judge a movie very strongly on. Like, I could pick it apart and have all of these things, but unless I get bored throughout the movie, like, and I just lose interest in what's going on, then it's not that bad. You know, it's usually going to be pretty good. Yeah, I would have to see probably The Force Awakens one more time to really say this with full confidence, but I think that was one of the most, like, as far as the art direction, like, I think that was one of the most beautiful, probably the most beautiful one that I have ever seen. That, that, like, you know, the scene where she does, uh, you know, kind of turn around and then go into hyperspeed. The layouts were for sure and, really good. you know, oh, they just had that beautiful... Silent. Yeah, that, yeah. And then everything goes quiet as it, as it all just, you know, all that Spoiler. carnage. You're just like, what the fuck? Or even the sound that, design. Oh, like this, the, the sound, sound design. The exactly. sound of Snoke's ship entering is so ominous. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, like, remember the first time you see the dreadnought and you're like... Damn, they are so screwed. Yeah, like, and so all, fucked. I love how much they, you know, they they mirrored other shots of the, of the of the classic ones too. You know, like when that dreadnought does come in, and the, the way that they did, I mean, the way that they mirrored, like, oh, that was so brilliant. The way that they mirrored Hoth, put it, they were salt flats, yeah. and then every all the 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 rocks yeah. were red. Blood. I'm like, blood. holy the, shit! The, the that metaphor is of the blood man. being shed by the red sand. Locations like, they got down like the island that Luke's island was fucking dope as fuck. What was it like Iceland or uh, it's got, it's like either Scotland or like Iceland yeah. or some shit. But some, just took a real life like part of an island and then just CGI'd it into look like a smaller island and you know like have these like fake but kind of realistic little puffin creatures that are in there like. 
the new Ewoks almost, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and then also think about Chewbacca being a meat-eating animal. It's clearly he's he's got fangs. He's aggressive, and he's like mm. these chickens, and the chickens really cute. And he goes, oh, I should be a vegetarian, like. Oh yeah, that was some, that some, was funny. That there's was... some crazy like subliminal stuff, like you were saying. Like there's all sorts of these messages in the. In the Do you thing. think that was that subliminal? Though I felt like that was totally like kind of like supposed to be laughing, almost like laughable too. With it, like, I think it's bold. I think you depend. Yeah, on, I, I bet you I, like as a vegetarian myself. When I saw that, I was like, whoa! Like that's powerful for a movie to do that because most movies you would just look at it and, and like eat it anyway. You'd be like, oh, you're cute. But, yeah. Like, but you didn't change things. Like. Okay. In, in the minds of children, right? Yeah. Like in the mind of a child, those porks it, are so it cute. It really does. And that's why I think I think the whole the whole ending wrap up was a, you know a beautiful metaphor for what was actually going on. You know, and that was the part that really sold the kind of side adventure onto the uh, casino planet for me. Was that just at the very end, you just get the kid. He's got the thing. He just looks up into the sky. You're just like, they, they did it. And man. the way he holds it, he holds it the way a Jedi would. If you yeah. if you look at the shot, it's cinematically shot. Yeah. The same way that I hold a lightsaber in a cool photo. Like, now, is it me? Did I? Did he? Did it kind of come to him? A he used bit? the force. He did. He did. Okay, yeah. So he I did, did catch that right. It was yeah. very subtle. But very I'm subtle. like, that's that's it right there, you know. And that's also, you know, to bring up a point that you mentioned earlier, that's also what I think they're doing, you know, by you know having these characters not be kind of flat traditional straight white men, you know. You've got you've got a very uh, diverse group, diverse group, blah, diverse group of characters that. <laughs> I mean, it is nice to see somebody else in there. Yeah. And going back to your whole, what is the mind? Like, you know, it, it's changing the language, uh, changing the language of your mind. Mm -hmm. If you're growing up with just as many positive, strong female role models being a female yourself, okay. or, you know, whatever it might be. Well, let's look at the the model of Finn. I mean, Finn is a, is an icon in the black culture. is a fantastic thing for the future youth of African American culture because look at this he he defects from the evil group let's call that the gangs right mm -hmm. like he chooses to follow his own path and in in this movie when he's flying towards that like blaster cannon and he's like no i have to do this like he is the hero and i was like wow a movie where they actually make the african-american guy or he's not even african-american like i don't even know where he's from black guy like he's I, british He's British. So he's not African American at all. But yeah, right, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, they make the black guy look like a hero. It's a positive, positive image for yeah, sure. It's and great. It's yeah. great. That's yeah. No, there's there's so many great messages from the movie. Absolutely, that that was like looking at and uh, just thinking, they because they started doing that in Rogue One too. Like it was yeah. definitely like that. Um, I I really thought that you know you could take a lot of things about our political, our you know where we are politically and just like in the world right now, just. For, I, I think that p kids can definitely draw the parallels. You know, they can uh, see what's going on and be more aware and observant of it. Because when I was a kid, I wasn't. You know, to that shit, I was like Star Wars. You know, like it wasn't in there as much. You know, it was definitely, or at least you just didn't. Oh, they, I mean, they, they, it was more. It was definitely like it, it was great. Like because I did get it, but I think now it's like more like there. Like it's going on right now. Like I feel like when I saw Star Wars, it was uh, already older. You know, like it had already been out before I was like a little kid. So mm -hmm. the time of what was going on wasn't necessarily what was going on in the world when I was, you know, at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're always, they always followed the same, you know, kind of model of, you know, the classic hero's journey and old kind of, uh, you know, comic strip things like that. You know, uh, right. uh, old Flash Gordon stuff and, and so much inspiration from old, you know, samurai movies. And I thought probably this movie 
um, more so than a lot of other ones, like in a more subtle way. Like I love their their kind of homages to the source material of Star Wars itself. You know, I thought like the uh, like the, the the red palettes chosen in the goddamn dog, the red palettes like they chose in that throne room se- uh, sequence. Yeah. Oh my god, it was it was, it was gorgeous. It kind of really it was reminiscent of like okay, here is like the emperor and his guards, and here is the hero that's been on his journey across Okinawa to like get. I don't know. I just, I I loved it, man. I think it's interesting to compare the room of the Sith Lord in the three different trilogies. I mean, the the throne of the Emperor was really a, a window that overlooked space. And if you actually watch the Snoke death scene, um, or the the, the uh, protector, whatever you call those guys, the Imperial Guard yeah. fighting scene, they burn down the red car red thing, and you see that it's actually a glass dome that looks out over all, all of outer space. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is the character Snoke has hidden himself from that with the color of hatred. Rather mm-hmm. than being open to the universe, open to you know seeing you know, planets whizz by hyperspace like Leia is, there's a scene where you're watching Leia sitting in a window watching hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Snoke has chosen to block all of that stuff out with the color red and to be surrounded by military agents. And it's interesting to think of the Sith as people who have post-traumatic stress disorder. You look at the way he's scarred and damaged, and you look at the way that Anakin is scarred and damaged, and you really start to think. And, and you know, Anakin had so much love in the first trilogy. He was he had love for Padme, he had love for his people, he had love for the Republic, and then he's damaged and scarred. So he's the the poster child for PTSD. And yet, like, we have to realize that being a real world Jedi. What I mean by that is, I'm trying to save people with lightsabers, and that sounds crazy. Like, how do you heal somebody with a lightsaber? Well, you don't beat them with it, first of all. You hand it to them and you say, hey, why don't you spin this object? And I'm going to tie this back to kind of leaving Star Wars now because this is now du- directly relating back to Organ Eclipse. To and the t- wizard in Lord of the Rings. To, to, to <laughs> David and Maya and how David and I become friends, became friends. Excuse me. Um, there's a story called the lollipop story or the lollipop moment. And I don't remember the full story. So if you're listening, just go ahead and Google the lollipop story. I'm sure you can find it. It's something about... Um, a young girl is going to college and she doesn't talk to anybody. She's really nervous. And then this one guy just walks up to her and hands her a lollipop. And for some reason, it changes her life. She starts talking to people. She becomes more outgoing. And like years down the road, they end up getting married. Um, and one day, my supervisor asked me, Hey, Maxwell, what was your lollipop moment? And I was like, You know what it was? The moment that changed my life the most was one hour after the eclipse in Oregon. My friend David walked up to me and he handed me a piece of wood. And I was like, What, what do I do with this? And he goes, Spin it. And I started just spinning this thing in circles because I'd seen people do staff spinning before and I've been doing gloving for about six or seven years. So I just applied those two concepts that I was familiar with into one thing and I was like, oh, I get this. And then I met my other friend, Catalyst, who it's very interesting that this podcast is being recorded at his house above his room. Above his room. Yeah. He was on the show last week. He was on the show last week. So he was at Oregon Eclipse too and he handed me his lightsaber that night and I started doing the same spinning moves that David showed me. And... All of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy these. (laughs) So I buy these two lightsabers. They come in the mail. I break them. And then I go to this show when I don't have them. And I meet some some guy. And he's like, oh, hey, you like lightsabers? I have somebody to introduce you to. He turns around, walks five feet behind him, and he introduces me to Ryan Riff Parks, who is uh, basically one of the – he's one of the best lightsaber spinners at least in the United States. Okay, um, cool. He's very, very good. And he, he just a good friend of mine. And he has this whole thing of, we're all Jedi. And we're all the one in the Matrix. Like, we all have the power to be these 
magnificent people and these magnificent beings. And you can use a lightsaber, oddly enough, to overwrite those codes or to overwrite those programs. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you have PTSD. You can basically overwrite your fear of PTSD with a fucking lightsaber because you have to do moves where you have to overcome fear. Like you like throw it in the air and you have to wait for it and catch it because you're not afraid of it. If you fear it, it's going to hit you in the face. Right. So you have to just flow with this fucking thing. And, and by doing that, you're altering your mind language. You're altering how you speak to yourself. I can do this. I can do this. This is easy. This is easy. This is easy. And if you do that with stress or complicated things in your life, you're like, Oh, like, I'm worried about this thing in my life. How am I going to do this? This is easy. This is easy. This is easy. I can do it. This is easy. I can do it. You start manifesting that and your real life becomes mantra of positive energy. And it's just, it's remarkable. So again, another soliloquy, but I think that kind of ties into Star Wars flow state and just everything in, in my life, basically these days. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. When you put it like that, I'm absolutely seeing the crossover there in the flow state that you're talking about. You get into that. And when you do nail it, that kind of evokes that high that we were just talking about, you know? That's another form of, of flow state. That's yeah, it's brilliant. Know, distracting yourself in a positive way, you know? You're using, you're, you're putting your focus and your attention and your energy into something and, you know, being mindful of it the whole time. Like if you're, you know, trying to get over PTSD by doing this, you kind of lose, you get into a flow state where you completely lose sense of anything else. It's like the first time I've ever experienced that was when, you really I really got into like a good well, I guess I did experience it when I was younger with physical activities that I just don't even remember because it's been such a long time and you don't think about it then but I think like artistically because it was definitely an art what you're doing uh, was playing guitar with people and like actually without having to know a song like we didn't have to know what each other were like but we could just play and sync up and you you all of a sudden lose any care of Am I playing the right notes? And you, it just becomes like a feeling. You're not even looking at your guitar. You're just looking like zoning the fuck out, and you're playing with each other. You know that, that I call it. I used to call it getting in the zone, and that's that's exactly what it is. And then you know, since then I've I've fooled around with toy toys and stuff and and different uh, different things. But like, uh, it's it is all the same thing. It's every every artist, every every person that has a craft like has that they they get into it some way shape or form even in conversation you know like you can be in a mm -hmm. great conversation with somebody and completely just fucking go off and then like whoa like what like where did that come from like it just comes so naturally to you it's like you're not even trying because and i think that the main thing when if that's the case is because you believe it you know like you believe everything that yeah, you're it's the confidence that comes with it yeah you know you're you you actually are all about this jedi cause because it makes sense and it's real and you know like george lucas came up with the idea of a fucking jedi a long time ago but that doesn't mean that it didn't already it wasn't already programmed to exist or you it, know it's what? actually an ancient egyptian culture which is really interesting it, it was the the the, the jed the dje uh, yes. HD, and they were the wizards of the Egyptian culture. Oh, my friend was telling me about it. <laughs> it's that. actually quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, and what's amazing is if you look at the hieroglyphs right. uh, of the Jed, they actually have these sticks that have uh, these four things, and it looks like a lightsaber. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of like, hmm. so This is a good time to plug Assassin's Creed Origins, available now <laughs> just in time for Christmas. There you go. I work for Ubisoft. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, the guy, the guy who runs Kung Flo, who's the, the lightsaber guy, he also bases 
one of his theories on Assassin's Creed and how Assassin's Creed is tied into this this global meme of cultural phenomenon. So Star Wars, The Matrix, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Assassin's Creed, um, Lord of the Rings. Not so much Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is definitely part of it because it's such a, a unique universe. But I think I think he's looking more into the sci-fi side of things. Like I I bring things like Doctor Strange into that universe. I'm like, dude, Doctor Strange is a huge part of all of those things as one channeled thing telling us how to experience more reality. Like, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, if you guys haven't seen it, it it's a great lesson in uh, dedication and uh, commitment and, um, you know, determination and, and like, um, discipline is the word I was looking for. You know, because the, the whole series is about, you know, being overcome with emotion. At the end of it, the good guys win. And you're just like, dude, like, yes. I get that with Kill Bill. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Oddly enough, I find Kill Bill a very murderous, bad way to handle the situation. Movie. But the whole point was at the very end. If you take it, however you take it, it's a you know the the good person wins in the end. It's uh, one of those things. You know, if you overcome all this fucking crazy shit yeah. that happens to you, and it was also a love story. People don't realize that yeah. it was it was it was a very compelling love story. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's 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 good, man. So do you have? Because you're actually just making me realize a bunch of stuff about myself when you're really laying these things out all in a row in this way. I'm able to kind of mentally, you know, put this next to this and be like, oh, shit, that's why I've been doing it. And I find I tend to have better days because I've got I've got a game that I play all the time, For Honor. I've gotten really fucking good at it. And just if I start my day just playing that for like 20 minutes, and if, if I get a good streak going, like I'm going like 18 and 2, and then I put it down. I'm like, I'm feeling good about myself the rest of the day. Like I've activated that flow state, and I feel like I that is just like the little boost that kind of gets in there, you know. So is there is there something that you would say? Is there any like, you know, tips? Like what's what's typical day do you look like there? Is there like a routine or a, a trigger to get you into it? <laughs> no, it's actually really funny. I'm really terrible at having routines, and I'm really yeah. I'm really badly organized. Yeah. Um, okay. Like it's funny. I was actually late to work today because. I woke up at seven o'clock and I was like, I have to leave at seven thirty, but I haven't made breakfast and I haven't made lunch, so I just did that because that's more important to me than getting to work on time. So no, I'm actually I don't actually have a routine. To me, it's more of a, I guess it ties back to when I was a kid. I was diagnosed with ADHD, but that doesn't exist. But like, I I just kind of do things and they just work out. Like I don't really plan things out. Like I don't really like that's why I was like late tonight too. Like I'm like okay, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this and those things are all gonna happen. At the the pace at which they occur like for me i'm really working on punctuality and timing because otherwise i don't care about time i'm really good with location yeah i can find anything but i'm i shit i suck at time but yeah. my organizational structure basically comes down to sometimes i want to flow and sometimes i want to sit on my couch and go on facebook and i'm trying to switch it more so that the facebook goes away and the flow is more often oh man you're preaching to the choir right now man because I, i'm in the same boat i used to be i used to think that i had this very good sense of time because i was punctual and i was always on time for shit but then i got i guess you know into the the more relaxed hippie stage or if you will or whatever and i just started not giving a fuck about that and not having a routine has always felt great until more recently where it's like you have something that you're really passionate about and you're like i don't have a routine i'm unorganized and i like that i'm just go with the flow but fuck i want to be able to dedicate more time to this but i let the laziness overcome me because i'm not like i don't have that set of plan like you know it does make a difference when you have a list or something to do like the night before if you really got to get shit done i've been able 
thus far for the most part to be able to handle it without that and I'm, I take pride in that but sometimes like I beat myself up because I'm like fuck I didn't get this shit done so you kind of feel like I need to get organized mm-hmm. at least that's how I feel sometimes um, but I, I totally understand what because I would do the same thing and not be if, if I had to choose between making myself breakfast and shit and getting to work on time it's like I gotta eat <laughs> I'm not gonna go to work hungry it's stupid it's gonna be less efficient yeah I'd rather be there at 8.03 and had, had a good breakfast than be there at 7.59 and be feeling like shit all day just yeah, like, you know, yeah. I you I, you think I would have learned by now, but no. I always go for the well. I guess I'll hit snooze. Just I'll limit myself to like five more times, yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> uh, yeah, food showers. Those are all out the windows. Yeah. I'm like scrambling with you know half my pants on and completely unshaven, just trying to go wait in line the 405. I don't even shave anymore, yeah. and I'm still fucking late. Like I, that's one of the things that got. I used to have to shave every single fucking day. Like it was part of my routine when I was a kid, you know, and like just really. Like, I don't even look in the mirror. I throw some hair gel in there just so that I don't completely look like a fucking bum. <laughs> no. But that's just about it. Like, I really don't even care. Like, and it's not because I'm, I like having a beard necessarily. It's because I just don't want to wake up that extra 10 minutes before to fucking shave. No, I feel, day. why do you think I wear snapbacks all the time? Yeah. I am lazy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have to, like, dress somewhat decent for my, you know, the gallery job. Like, it's the kind of the first job that I've really had to, like, dress some some of these and I could kind of just be like a fucking whatever in, in all my other jobs you know not really didn't have to be that presentable but uh, it's interesting you know and um, so yeah you so how, how do you practice being a Jedi you know what is that you go to you go to temple on Sunday or what happens <laughs> no honestly what being a Jedi for me really comes down to is a, a code of conduct and that would be the code of conduct that, like, let's talk about the social scene with men and women right now. Like, think about the Me Too movement. Mm. Um, so, basically, being a Jedi is acting with integrity with everything you do. So, you would never be on the Me Too movement because you would never do something like that in the mm. first place. So, being a Jedi is, is simply being aware of one's... Can, being aware of one's... Um, ability to manipulate the people around you or not to manipulate people but like to affect to affect them yeah Yeah. like so if you affect people in a positive way because you're always being you know you're always being integrous or you always have integrity um, then people will see you that way so being a Jedi is more about just not being a dick than it is about (laughs) swinging a lightsaber around because you know, they always say like, oh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? But when I became a Jedi or when I started thinking about Jediism, I was like, what would a Jedi do in this situation? Like, <laughs> Man, you know w- what I mean? W- like, J-D. what would Jesus do is a little bit vague because that was 2,000 years ago. What would a Jedi do? A movie just came out five days ago. I have context. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, so so what would what would Qui-Gon Jinn do in this situation? Would he let the little old lady struggle across the street or would he go help her? He can go help her, you know what I mean? He would just use the force. <laughs> after <laughs> after giving a, a stoic two-minute monologue and then go help her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but then the, the other aspect of it is is using um, staves, staves, and... Um, is it staves? Staves is the plural of staff. Is that official? Yeah. So staves that and um, contact swords, essentially, to... On use, the old lady? 
Huh? On the old lady? On the old lady. No. Okay. You teach her how to overcome her oldness by swinging a lightsaber around. <laughs> oh, man. You, and then, no, uh, because if yeah. she plays with it and has fun, she's going to fucking She's going to get strong. Be, yeah. She's well, not going to be weak anymore. She's just not going to be a boring old fucking lady. It's like that, like, <laughs> right. it's like that Twilight Zone. It's uh, in the movie, the Twilight Zone. Oh, that's why, like, that's why my grandma better appreciate the fucking <laughs> gift I got her this year. They got that old guy that goes, that, that ghost that would go to all the old retirement homes or whatever, and uh, he would just like, Bring instill life back into these like you know old kids, uh, the old people, and make old kids. Like old, kids. Yeah, that was I like that. That was a good slip. <laughs> the old kids, yeah. It and, stays. And uh, I remember watching that, and I was just like, that's kind of like you know what I don't want to be. I want to be that guy that just grows old and like gets stuck in my ways. Like I want people to fucking like I won't. Not not that I could see myself being old and going to festivals like that, but there is a dude. They called him my mini me actually because he's like short, like really short Mexican dude. And he's definitely like in his like sixties or seventies. That was at Desert Hearts like two times, like just hanging out and just dancing and rocking around. And like, and they're just like, you know, like, that's gonna be you when you get older. And I said, I can only fucking wish that I could, like and go with that fucking hard and strong like that. You know, at that age, like the guy. I mean, it doesn't even have to be doing anything like heavy, crazy. He's just there enjoying the music and rocking out. It doesn't give a fuck. You know, he's he's about the energy. I, I mean, I love that there is no age limit. It's not necessarily a twenty-something thing or oh, a thirty-something no. thing. You know, there are all ages because the community is, you know, it's it's beyond just the partying. You know, there there is so much more yeah. to uh, to see and discover there about the self, about about others, and just being in a community that is so you know safe. You know, well, it's, it's so such, cool a, such a unique like, environment. He's not letting everybody else stop him either. Yeah, like anybody else his own age is like, what the fuck? You I know, get like, stoked when I see yeah. like old, be- like older people there. Because those people are still just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna do what the fuck I want. Don't tell me how to live my life, like you know, like. Don't you you Lee Reynolds. Lee Reynolds is on my vision board. It's like my <laughs> forty year, like you know, plan where I want to be. So, uh, <laughs> well, well, he's I'm, actually not old. I know he's not that. Old. <laughs> he's like forty something. Like he's not. He, like, this Wait, 40-something? Yeah. He's he like, seems much older than that, dude. He, he seems like he's like, like 50. I would say 50. I would look it up. Five, yeah. I would huh. look it up. All right. Sorry, Lee. We're going to figure this out right now. I think that the gray hair is just a little bit of a throw because it's not – I don't think he's that old. Maybe. Maybe, but – Well, you guys bring up a really interesting concept for me, which is the people you see at festivals. You know, like there's this one guy that I, I first saw at, fest, at a festival in twenty. Uh, 20- well, or 20, it was 2013. It was October of 2013. And all he did for six hours was just run back and forth about 12 feet with a blanket. And he would just wave this blanket around. And then I saw him again at Spongle. Spongle! Spongle! Y'all made that up. And then, um, so I saw him again at Spongle and I looked at my Instagram photo Sounds of me like at Spongle. Sounds like social media. Like, and he's new in, he's fucking in the photo. And I was like, holy shit, that's that guy. So like, the topic I guess I bring up is like, are there just people that you just always see at festivals and you're like, there's that guy. I just always... He's always here. Like yeah. he's a hundred years old, and he's at just. Schwangel. Is there a guy? Mm. That, no, I'm just saying. Like he would be at Schwangel. He would like, be. At he would be at Schwangel. That would be the yeah. place that you would see that guy. Oh too. yeah, for sure. Uh, that that was, I I didn't even remember that whole thing of me apparently throwing my staff and yelling out <laughs> Schwangel, Schwangel, fuck it. And everybody told me these stories, and I was like, I remember like being there but i don't remember doing that like i felt in my mind i had it pretty kept together you know but i was drinking ridiculous like it was one of those things like my because the you know the eclipse was so and we're talking about a moment at eclipse um the eclipse gathering in oregon where 
you know, it was right after the eclipse, but I had just been so excited and like couldn't really contain it. So I was just drinking, drinking, drinking. You saw me and apparently, and was, I, somebody said I like got the crystal off and it like flew and I was scared after when I heard that because I'm like, what if it fucking did, you know, like it could have really fucked somebody up. So, um, you know, don't get too drunk kids. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, struggle. Spongle stumbling all over myself and shit. Oh, man. Well, friends don't let friends spongle too hard. By the way, this so, is when I gave him this stick. So he's, like, giving me way more credit than I deserve because even though it was very meaningful to him, it was me going, like, hey, fucking spin this stick. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, come on here and do this. And you're like, all right, all right, cool. <laughs> you know what? Find the meaning where you can. But I love it. It doesn't matter. I, I totally, I'm all for it. Like, I'll be, I, I feel that that, you know, was meant to happen as well, you know, like that's part of the whole fucking thing. We wanted to bring about. you on your day to completely undercut the most defining moment of your life. So <laughs> I'm glad we accomplished that. <laughs> no, he just wanted to set it earlier. It's <laughs> great. But um, awesome. So you were? Did you look it up? Uh, I I cannot find it easily. Well, okay. Well, it's not. If it's on the first page of Google, wait a minute. That's fucking. If it's on the first, if it's not on the first page of Google, then I'm I give up. That's bullshit. You can yeah. find his Facebook, but how, I'm not friends with him. How old is Lee Reynolds? <laughs> Come on, Siri. Just give anything back. The world is waiting. <laughs> DJ Lee Reynolds is a grandpa who parties harder than you, and he won't apologize for it. Oh, that's an article I've actually read. I, uh, I 47-year-old grandfather. Told you. From when? When was that published? Is that, that recently? Like this past year. Oh, yeah. I should, well, still, even if it was within the last three years, I'm way fucking off. So. 47. So he's even younger than I thought. Good times. He's got that. He's got that hair. like that that good like grandpa vibe going to him. Well, he's got kind of like he's a British guy, dude. He's got the Keith Richards thing going. Yeah, you know, yeah that's he's yeah. Like, does, he he just might look older, but you know, like Keith Richards will fucking party like still harder than fucking you know anybody out there, <laughs> yep. and uh, got it going on, seem, seemingly healthy, and you know, so uh, that's great. Absolutely, yep. he's he's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this other guy that was at Desert Hearts, you know, I just, I'd love to, I'd love to just have that kind of energy to have that kind of just enthusiasm for life at yeah. that age. Well, you start now. Yep. You start now, yes. you get yourself healthy, you live the way of the Jedi. Yeah. And that's and one... you continue to be this person going on. Well, the one thing I, re- I know about Maxwell is that you're very disciplined. Like, it seems like you have like, you know, uh, a code of ethics that you develop you know, based on your convictions and your, you know, set of values that you are constantly evolving um, and you actually stick to it. And we were talking yesterday and about with Jeff, like after the show about, you know, just doing it and setting these kinds of like, you know, basically what you're saying, neurohacking, you know, like, you know, control, you have the power to do it. Like you have the power to completely make all the decisions or make any changes that you need to. Um, and I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's a psychological or, you know, program thing that most people have problems with is like accepting that. And, you know, it's not easy. I can personally say that it's not easy. One that's dealing with trying to do that myself. But it is great. And, it, and all too me, it, it's all too much of a, it's not a coincidence, I think, that this is all coming to me 
in ways like in the movie and you know with what we're talking about and it happening day after day you know these are all things that are like hey yeah motherfucker like <laughs> do it <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's great because the way that you were describing how you use Jediism is I think the same way that Jeff would say he uses Satanism or the same way that we might say that we use magic you know sure. all kind of the uh, same sides of a different how, okay different same, whatever, size, whatever, same size of a different die sure yeah there you go there you go same size of a different 20 sided die i think that I think that wraps or up different there. sides of the same die whatever whichever one makes more sense to you listener it doesn't really matter you know i i don't do metaphors i just i just look good <laughs> i do metaphors <laughs> uh but i think what's really cool is the direct results of, of that discipline specifically relating to using a lightsaber and and flow state so since i began my flow three really cool things have happened to me. Uh, I've lost 20 pounds. So before Oregon Eclipse, I was, I was 203 or 204. I'm now 186 or close to there. Wow. Uh, so that's that's all just from changing my diet, which was a direct result. Of, to be fair, you're also approximately like 11 feet tall. I'm also so, 11 feet tall, yeah. yeah so you're, you're, I'm 11 foot 12, actually. Oh, so okay. So yeah, really you have had that before. Um, but uh, so also after, <laughs> after Oregon Eclipse, which is the same moment where I started spinning a staff, I became pescatarian, which also helped me to lose that weight because now if my friend's like, let's go Jack and Box three in the morning, I can't get anything. So I'm like, okay, well, I have nothing. And That's where you uh, only have dinner with Joe Pesci, right? Hmm? That's where you only have dinner with Joe Pesci, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Pe- pescatarian, that's right. And, you know, another thing is I've stopped drinking alcohol. I've just made a, a conscious choice. I'm just like, I, I'm a non-drinker. I'm not really interested in it. Yeah, so I've kind of made that same thing too, like which is something I never ever would have thought in a million years that I could get over. Like I was in a point where I was like, man, I'm an alcoholic. This is just my life. This is what I'm destined to do, because this was like the only thing that was getting me by day to day while I was working in the bar. And then I removed myself from that situation, and I just don't care to really drink that much anymore. Like, and I did lose weight too. That's a fucking obviously a huge thing, people. You want to lose weight, just stop fucking drinking, you know? I got to a point where it just did not, it's not serving me anymore. Like, I don't feel good in any which way. Not not mentally, not physically, that's for damn sure. Uh, especially the next day. But, like, you know, being out and about, like, it doesn't really calm my nerves or, you know, whatever. It's just more like, well, I just, that was kind of a fucking waste, <laughs> you know, so. Money, time, yeah. effort. And no matter what it is, you know, like experimenting is great, but you know, that's the difference where you need to kind of, you need to learn when to hang up the phone with something. You know, if you've gotten the message from it, you need to learn when to just stop doing it. If it's no longer serving you, then you need to learn how to just fucking say, well, what is the point of doing this? There isn't. Okay. I'm done, you know, and it's easier said than done. Um, I have a hard time with that in a lot of ways, but it works, you know, you just fucking just do it. Yeah, I mean nothing. Nothing should be a crutch. No, you know? exactly. And and, and if, you're, if you're feeling it that way, you're not. You're not constantly questioning like your habits and your routines and the things that you do. I mean, you might not even notice when something becomes you know dangerous when it's not serving you anymore like that. You right. know, and you know, alcohol got you through good times, and hey, you don't even have to say that you're done forever or anything like that. Right. No, like but, I still have a beer or two. You know, like whatever. But as far as yeah, but understanding your limits, you know, getting pushing yourself there enough times, I feel like I definitely got that out of the way. Where now yeah. I just I don't even I don't remember the last time I really like 
drank in excess. Like, I don't remember the last time I threw up from drinking. Well, that's because you drink those guys, those fucking god-awful hurricanes. Because I'm a uh, champion and they're a sponsor. How those, dare you? Those, uh, those things, uh, you only need a couple to take you very, a lot further than the other ones, you know? You know what? I can get, like, a whole case of those for, like, 16 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> you that, saw that. So that is true. I picked them up for you. But. Save money. Save <laughs> but, money for drugs. Yeah, no. It's just save money <laughs> for drugs. So, you know, what do you... You know where are you where are you going from here in the way of the Jedi? Like, what do you guys like? Would you say that the group that you were with is kind of an intimate group, or is it? You know, is it the so it's intimate? Uh, I would say that at this stage, it would be the closest group of friends that I've ever had beyond the fraternity. And the fraternity, you know, there were thirty of us, and we all had the same experience going through the pledging mm-hmm. process. But the tight knit group of my individuals I'm hanging out with right now, it's we're the Jedi core. We're like the core group of people who are really formulating this social movement. And, you know, we're in the early phases of we're trying to make a really great lightsaber. Like just being just being genuine about this, like we are trying to make a product that all these other lightsaber manufacturers, I've been following dozens of lightsaber manufacturers on Instagram lately and I'm, I'm like liking all their photos like this is cool this is cool this is cool because I'm trying to learn mm-hmm. and they're all really cool looking but for a flow state mechanism they're really not functional they have all these knobs and sharp things coming off and these little like levers coming off and mm-hmm. yeah it's like a movie prop mm-hmm. but I want something that is a tool for movement so we're trying to make um, basically a series of lightsabers that are mass production that anybody can access them you know that little kid who's the stable boy he should be able to get one you know mm-hmm. any, any person who wants to learn flow state should be able to access a lightsaber for like 60 70 bucks so you know right now the hobby is like a 500 hundred dollar hobby if you want a really good lightsaber mm-hmm. you're paying vader's vault for a custom made or you're paying uh you know some of those other handmade companies um for a handmade saber you're paying five six seven hundred dollars so if you could get people in on the entry level you know, that's kind of where we're going. So it is very intimate right now. It's very much like we're all keeping, we're all kind of learning about each other on an integrity level. And we're saying like, okay, this person's very high in integrity and they're very high in ideas. And like, we just, we're just a good group of friends and we have a lot of ideas and we're trying to get those ideas out there in a way that makes sense mm. and trying to do it responsibly and efficiently, effectively, monetarily and, and do it, do it with integrity like yeah, a Jedi exactly. would, man. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Just trying to, trying to bring the flow state to everybody. I trying love to turn that. everybody into a Jedi. So you were talking about the books that got you into the flow state there. Now I'm sure you do probably a much better job than I could have, of, you know, giving a, a slight summary of them. Sure. Uh, actually, I'm going to backtrack one book before that, which is The Celestine Prophecy. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not tied to the series, but The Celestine Prophecy was a book that I read just before I read Stealing Fire. And Celestine Prophecy is a book which describes a manuscript that um, tells people how to live a more conscious, spiritually evolving lifestyle and to have other people around us do that same thing. And it talks about seeing energy fields. And when you meet somebody in your life who you feel connection with them. Like you walk by somebody in the street and you guys smile at each other and you go, oh, good day. And you make a comment to each other. You should talk to that person because there's a reason they were introduced to your life. And it's this law of attraction book. So that came just before I read Stealing Fire. Now, Stealing Fire is a book which is essentially a uh, scientific study is basically what it is. It's basically a scientific article um, describing flow state as an 
an achievable state of mind. So it talks about the way that the Delta Team Six of the Navy SEALs, like the the shit in the Navy SEALs, like mm-hmm. they just switch on an instant if they have to complete some sort of mission. They can do it with like no casualties whatsoever. They're so in sync with each other, they can immediately flip that switch because they're the most dedicated, hardest trained people in the world by far, and they can just immediately activate 100% flow state. And they're just all in sync together and everything works flawlessly when they do. Um, because they're trained to. And this is the Delta Six of the Navy SEALs? Correct. Wow. And that's that's the first chapter of the book as it describes that. And then it goes into these other concepts talking about how the people at Google made it a requirement of becoming a CEO of the company to have attended Burning Man. And um, you know, basically talking about the way that we entered these states of mind through attaining or, or seeking the attainment of bliss and um, it talks about neurochemicals and then uh, embodied cognition and all sorts of other concepts that tie into rewriting the way that you understand your day-to-day tasks rather than just separating all your tasks from this is a box of tasks and this is a box of tasks and this is a box of tasks flowing between activities and really making everything just as seamless as possible when you're doing things don't like stop and analyze you should be analyzing everything all the time and having all of that be just a constant data stream of decisions and um and flow i mean it's really interesting the way that it's it's written uh, reading the book would do you a lot more justice than me describing it so uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good a good summary of it and it yeah. gives you like gives people kind of a different example outside of you know flow toys and the flow state uh that they can glove? kind of apply that to um i don't really glove but i have i do dance like that's you know that's where I would say I definitely achieve my flow state there. Uh, for and context of the listeners, he he made a hand gesture right there that is something that I'm familiar with. So that's why I <laughs> yeah, asked. that's it. I mean that's the kind of stuff that like that's it's, how you met K Tribe. Right? That's correct. Ingrained into my normal like day to day movement, man. Yeah. Yeah, you met you met K Tribe because you were gloving at uh, City Hearts, correct? Uh, it was actually an abundance abundance, abundance Halloween. Okay. Uh, 2016, and I walked up to Ryan. And, or no, rather he walked up to me because I had my gloves and he's like, yo dude, can I have a light show? And then I was just like, yeah. And he's like, who are you here with? And I'm like, I'm here alone. And he's like, come here. You're going to be part of my friends. He's that like, sounds like a job. And then they adopted me and I just. Yeah. Just that's very, right on, that's man. That's what happens. Yeah. That's, what's, that's fucking awesome. Yep. And, and, it's amazing. and that was, that was basically a year ago. A little over a year ago. Yeah, a little over a year ago. And then, you know, yada, 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 here you are here. Like, it's just, the universe is weird like that, man. And then you spent uh, a good chunk with all of us at the Oregon Eclipse, and you stayed quite late, like, after everybody else. Because I know that you, like, you made, it was your birthday week. Yeah. And you, like, made sure that you were going to just fucking, like, not have to deal with any, you didn't, you did it smart. Because I fucking, I didn't have the luxury of being able to stay as late. But fuck, man, it sucked getting back to be at work, like, literally, like, the Tuesday, you know, after, or the, the, no, I was at work on Thursday, but I, like, you know, the festival went to, we left, like, Tuesday afternoon, and then stopped off in the Redwoods and made it home, like, like, at two in the morning, woke up, went to work, and, and, you know, not uh, in a great state in any which way for work that week. Uh, Insane. Uh, You did it right. I did. You chilled for till everybody to leave. Yeah, and... it was so easy getting out of there, dude. It yeah. was like no traffic whatsoever. Just it, it was. So you maximized funny, your time. Maximized my time. Yeah. The funny thing was, I, I always say, and I think we're probably coming to a wrap up point here, but I, I do want to end with something 
or you know, kind of start winding down with this this concept. Mm-hmm. Oregon Eclipse. One of the things I realized while I was under the totality was getting there was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done in my life. All total steps involved, and it was like okay, I had to graduate college in order to get a good enough job i had to get two promotions i had to earn enough vacation time i had to save up enough money i had to rent my first car one week being underage of renting a car for less money so i had to four oh, i was 24 damn. and 360 you know what oh. i mean like um it was my birthday that day and they're like nope because you're renting the car today you're 24 you have to pay extra fees and i was like okay so that's gonna cost and then driving 40 hours to get there into a parking space and then like just being cramped the whole way. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And then under totality, I was just like, worth it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Worth it. Yeah. And uh, getting home was like the easiest thing I'd ever done. Because, because the universe put all these obstacles in your way. Yeah. Even ones that are just... you. Could, it, obviously, they were fucking with you. Oh, yeah. Because the totality... Like this once-in-a-lifetime totality comes over in a place that makes it somewhat mm-hmm. viable for you to actually do it. The week before you turn 25. Now, that is a cosmic joke if I've ever heard of yeah. uh, This is a really fun one. Um, and I, I'm i pretty sure that the person who this pertains to won't be mad if I share the story, but I'm not going to share a name. Yeah, uh, Jeff. So so the, <laughs> the eclipse was actually on the 21st. I didn't sleep that night because I was, uh, I was in a flow state and I was having sex with somebody. And so going into the night from the eclipse into the day of my birthday, which is the 22nd, I had Eclipse birthday sex while in a, at a festival in the middle of nowhere, you know, doing things that people do at festivals. And it was, it was great. That's it was, it awesome. was really cool, Hell, actually. Yeah. It was really cool. I never had my birthday at a festival. I wonder, you know, like what that would be like. That's, yeah. that's fucking rad, man. I feel like that was almost, that was, you know, the, the energy of the totality that you were taking in. That was, that was your, like your moment that you, you took that intention and, and you fired it, you mm-hmm. know? Like like we've talked about with with sigil magic before, you yeah. know, really activating that power through something that you know is so primal and forces you into a flow state, the more natural, you know, human great ape, you know, uh, Homo sapien flow state. There you go. Well, your birthday was the day after the eclipse. Yeah, twenty second. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So. Good, good series of uh, that was that was a, that's a great festival, man. That was. I mean, I even got butt ass naked and ju- went down that's the like, slide. I, I too. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't jump in that slide, but I did jump in the river. I was like, I've always been afraid to get naked in public, and this time I was just like, doing it. It just gets to a point where you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Oh, oh, I don't give a fuck. Like, These people obviously don't give a fuck. There's dicks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys want to see one more dark hole? Yeah. yeah, it was like, you know, you won't really see much. I'm just going to go ahead and take this off and go up here. <laughs> but then put it back on. Like, like, I don't, but, but you're right. Like, it's the liberation, you know? You just don't care because, like, nobody's, you know, like, judging you or thinking about that. Because even, you know, for myself as a guy, you know, you're there. And you, when you tell what goes on at these things to other people, um, they kind of, like, the other guys, you know, like, that d- don't really understand the culture or even guys that go, whatever, though. Like oh damn really though like you know like, hot, ch- this hot, hot like, chicks yeah, naked yeah, all over the place yeah like you don't even look at it like that no. like you're like walking by them and if anything you might smile and just think this is awesome yeah. because it's like so free it happened on my birthday one year like you know I took the I had these girls that were just like awesome free spirited girls that were like hanging out with us and just like freeing the nipple and, and you know everything and everybody's like oh you know the, the greatest time like thinking you know we're all just like fooling around it's like no there was like absolutely no 
sexual yeah. energy whatsoever. Yeah. It was just, just it was just as liberating as when I went to Spain for the first time and like I saw that like this really attractive girl is just like walking up with like all these dudes that like she was and she was topless, you know, but like it was not a thing. It wasn't a thing. It was like this is the way it is. Like, you know, like people can live like this and not have all that other perversion going on because it's not you know, it's you not it's not like the way we're designed to think over here, you know, from a young age. It's like, oh, you can't, you know. I think, yeah, culturally putting it so much on a pedestal is ultimately detrimental to the right. way that it, most people in this country, I think, are developing and growing up, you know. Yeah. I think it's absolutely getting better as we go through. Yeah. But, you know, to talk about things like, like Woodstock, you know, like you see those videos of Woodstock and you're like, I've never seen anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then And then you go through it and you're like, yeah, there's like, you know families like you know mother like just you know yeah doing it supernatural and free and you're just yeah it's fucking amazing i I will be honest when i first got to oregon clips and i first i saw my first like super hot naked chick i was like this is so (laughs) rad like stoked my first rave when i very like went with my friends and we're driving outside the shrine this was like years and years ago 2008 and i was like Thinking, seeing all these girls in scantily clad, you know, like thongs, basically. Mm. And I'm just like, this is going to be awesome. But when my shit actually came up and it actually hit and I was like, I felt that moment the very first time, the moment of, you know, understanding what it's all about. Because you know what I'm talking about. It hits you. And then all of a sudden, none of that shit matters. Yes. Like, you're not like that. Like, that doesn't matter. You love everybody yeah. because yes. why the fuck shouldn't you yes. <laughs> like, yeah. that's exactly what you do yeah. on the you know on the surface it might come off like that but yeah for me personally it's the same thing like yeah. on none of that all of that's that stuff is even though it's you know probably looking at pictures and, and seeing about it in those ways like when you're there when you're in them when you're really you know a part of the community you're part of that hive mind i, I don't know but i do not feel you know that none of that is sexual to me yeah you know mm-hmm. it's all it's all so much deeper than that like it, that it, it, it transcends it, you know. There, there is something oddly Freudian, um, Freudianly sexual about like dancing in those types of circles. That like as a Glover, I always call what I do peacocking. So like, a peacock has feathers; it makes itself look really pretty to the females. I put LEDs in the ends of my fingertips and damp, dance around like a fucking uh, Indian <laughs> god. And um, you know, in doing that, beautiful women and also just cool people will just walk up to me and be like, hey man, can I have a light show? And there is something oddly sexual about like giving a light show because you're mm-hmm. flirting. You're kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking it's into your performance. Yeah. It's you know, a performance. You're, you're definitely seducing yeah. in, in, in many ways because you're, you know, you, the, it, the power of your light show is going to be based on how much you're into it. And yeah. so like a good stripper, you know, is more compelling when she's like really <laughs> into her yeah. shit, you know, like she's convincing you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I'm sure, I'm you're sure. You're a light stripper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like who would I rather give a longer light show to a really beautiful 10 girl who's interested in my light show or like some rolling guy who walks in and is like, Hey man, can I have a light show? I'm like, uh, I'd rather give her her a light show because you're irritating me. Like I'm not mad at you at all, man. I don't disagree with that statement whatsoever. I'd rather look at a painting of uh, beautiful artwork than a brick wall with, you know, with graffiti on with it. Like, clearly fresh piss on the side. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I would say that's probably the good the good metaphor. You know, the, the Mona Lisa to you know the side of a a street down the way there. But man, Maxwell, it was very nice to meet you, man. That was that was incredible. That. 
I mean, I feel like that was a good um, counter to what we did last week. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was very productive as well as interesting and just fun. Uh, liked it a lot because last week's was, you know, unless, of course, you're into ultra-dimensional shapeshifters and uh, Bigfoot and, and such. And, uh, and Alex Jones impressions. So Alex, Alex Jones, Jones talking to Alex Jones. It was, it, was it was kind of a, a shit show <laughs> in a fun way. But this this was like a beautiful, like, damn, that was in, that was very insightful and educational. I feel I feel spiritually nourished right now. I well, feel like my soul yeah. got a good workout in. I love your confidence. I love that you are not afraid to do what you want and what you believe. And, you know, despite anything you just do it because you know you're not look you look at things the way that i do when i look at movies except you're actually like applying the messages into your life you know i definitely take away messages from pretty much any movie and any like even if it's cheesy whatever i like draw what kind of you know what what can you learn from this or what can you what message can you share with the rest of the world in different ways and you're definitely doing that um by something it is really fucking cool, and uh, I think that you guys are going to actually, you know, do something really good with this. Um, so, looking forward to seeing what's going on, what's going to transpire from all that. Do you have anything that you would like to promote in the way of uh, the Jedi? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as of right now, I, I would say that the best way to get in contact with us or to know more about the things that I'm talking about tonight, um, first of all, I would recommend going to www.thedigitalredpill.com so making a reference to the matrix talking about you know morpheus's red versus blue pi blue pill conversation mm -hmm. so it's the digital blue pill.com blue or red i'm sorry digital red pill pardon me oh, okay the digital you said red blue pill the second time yeah, not not blue that I'm, doesn't have anything to do with like the doesn't have anything to do with it with the, the other ones the digital red pill.com okay um so that's that's something i'd like to plug in um basically it talks about that universal meme tying together Assassin's Creed with the Matrix, with Star Wars, with Harry Potter, with Lord of the Rings, with Avatar: The Last Airbender, tying all of that in together under one story, basically. Um, another thing that I'd like to point out is if you are interested in learning how to use a lightsaber for powers of healing, we call ourselves the Jedi Medics, and we heal people with lightsabers. And if you want to know more about more about that, uh, go ahead and follow my friend Ryan Riff Parks on Instagram at Kung Flow, K U N G dot f-l-o-w kung flow um or you can follow me at maxwell darwin m-a-x-w-e-l-l-d-a-r-w-i-n and uh basically just message me i'm super interested in talking to anybody who's interested in these things uh feel free to message riff um and honestly we're always looking for more people who are interested in the jedi mission because the whole thing really ties down to we are all jedi and uh the more you know about why you are and the more you know about the talents you can bring to the jedi movement um, the more we will heal the Sith and the more that we can help people overcome things like trauma and help people overcome things like um, addiction and you know help people with weight loss and help people with fitness and just helping people to get spiritual workouts like you, you commented on a moment ago. So um, yeah, I mean, kind of shameless plug for myself, my friend group. Um, follow also um, Annie Ray Sturm and she's one of the core people in my group. Uh, Zachary Aronson, John Bowes, and um, you know, I'd say that those people are some of the people who are making some of the biggest impacts in my life right now. And 
so are you guys. So again, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for so much for coming on and sharing all of your experiences and this impact with us and, and everybody who listens to the show, man. Like that was, that was great. And I will definitely be checking out the uh, digitalredpill.com yeah. because just to really dive deep into some of the theories that you were talking about, because that is extremely interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even so, it's, I feel like that's also such a great, you yeah. know, it, it's a great entry point for somebody who really does not think in these terms at all. Yeah. You know, when you get to, because we all know people it's who a are good just way to bridge the gap. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm not gonna top that. So <laughs> you know what? As always, go ahead and follow us on all the social media avenues. Phil, it's just that Let It Bleed cast on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, what, Instagram, and what's the our, whole shebang? What's our new? Uh, we're still on SoundCloud for a little bit. No, we are off of SoundCloud. Okay, so but I think our SoundCloud is still up, and it's pulling—it's pulling from our other feed. But either way, the people that can hear it, they're getting it through their own way. They have their own podcast apps and stuff like that. Got we it. index through iTunes, and so I mean, however, it, yeah, people download it, and people tell their friends about it. I mean, I I, I really I appreciate it so much more fool. when people yeah when people tell jump out like that. It us. is cool. It is cool. So yeah. thank you guys for all the support. Make sure that you guys do that. You guys can also. Uh, Find my man Dave here at Hood Rat Stuff with three Fs. And myself, you can find me at Nobody Cares Phil on Instagram and at Phil Nobody Cares on Twitter. Well, that's going to be it for us for today. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.